Hey, this is Sean Jensen, the lead pastor here at Vail Church, and I'm so excited you chose to check out this message. My prayer is that this message wouldn't just be full of information, but that the Holy Spirit would produce transformation in your life. So wherever and however you're listening today, lean in and enjoy the message. Oh, well, welcome, Vail Church. How are we doing today? We good? All right. Hey, my name is Corey. I've got the privilege of serving on staff here as one of the pastors and part of the teaching team. It is so good to be with you guys in the room. If you want to help me welcome those joining us online, we've got Virginia, Colorado, North Carolina, all across Illinois. It is great to have you guys with us as well. And I'm excited to be with you guys today. Have you ever had a moment where you just felt kind of restless in your spirit? Like one of those times where you just feel a little off, like you're just not at peace. See, depending on your personality, there are are several things that can send you into that spot pretty quick. For me, I am a persistent person. Now, my wife uses the word stubborn. I don't know about that. (laughs) But when something gets presented to me, it's very easy for me to get fixated on that. Whatever it is becomes my focus. That can become my drive. When my mind gets on something, more often than not, I just got to go after it. I'll give you an example that comes up consistently in our household. So we've got three boys, and like most kids, when they get playing, they play hard. And so it is not an uncommon thing for one of our boys to come up to my wife or to me and tell us that they have lost a toy. Now, when they tell us that they've lost a toy, I'll do the normal things of asking, well, where were you playing with it last? Did you look in your room? How about you go look in your room? And they'll go look in their room, but they'll do little kid looking. And if you got kids, you know what I'm talking about. They'll walk in their room and they'll go, I can't find it anywhere. Now, when one of our kids comes up and tells us that they've lost something, what I hear is challenge extended. It is game on for dad. Now, I'm a persistent person, and so it's now my job to find whatever they have lost. Now, here's the deal. It's not my toy. I didn't lose it. I'm not going to play with it when we find it. But because of my personality, I have now got to find this toy. I can't stop. I can't rest until I find it. My inner peace is disrupted. And we all have times where it's tough for us to settle our minds and our hearts And this can be triggered by all kinds of things, stress, busyness, anxiety, worry, feeling unprepared. Sometimes we just can't have peace because we're so caught up in waiting for whatever the next thing is, the next activity, the next event. Sometimes, some of us, we can't find peace when things are too peaceful. You ever had that moment? Like some of us, we we can't find peace when things are too peaceful. This is the person that can't sit still. They've always got to be doing something because if you're not doing something, you're forgetting something or missing something or something is not going to happen. Am I talking to anybody here today? (laughs) This is the person that's up at 5 a.m. on vacation, getting ready for the day, disrupting the peace of everybody else in the house because we're wasting daylight with all this sleeping in stuff. Or you know the person who thrives in chaos, And so when things are smooth sailing, they they feel like they need to say something or or do something to kind of stir the pot and create a little bit of controversy. I probably don't need to remind you that Thanksgiving is coming in a few weeks, and you can probably already think of the person in your family that likes to bring up the hot topics over the turkey. We all respond differently when it comes to the thought of peace. For some of us, when we hear peace, we can't help but think of the absence of peace in our world today. Because we got the absence of peace in the Middle East and in other parts of the world, but we don't have to go that far. We've got the absence of peace right here in our country, depending on what we're talking about. 
We've even got the absence of peace right here in our Bloomington Normal community. We've got the absence of peace in our schools, in our neighborhoods, or we may think uh, of in our, our families. Some of you, you experience the absence of peace in the car on the way to church today. And here's the reality. We can't solve the absence of peace everywhere, every time, right here in this moment. But we can start with us. And that is a good place to start, but a tough one. See, peace is a tricky thing because it looks different for everybody. Everybody finds peace in different ways. But I think we would all agree that finding peace is a necessary thing for our lives. This is something that's true for everybody. It's true for all people of all ages, all races, all geographic locations, religious, not religious. It's true for me. I'm guessing that it's true for you as well. Because as in control of life, as you may feel in the moment, as good as things may be going, I think if someone said, hey, could, can I give you a little bit more peace? I don't think any of us would go, nah, I'm good, I've got enough. Now this word peace, again, it brings something different into each one of our minds. What's peaceful for me may not be peaceful for you. And what helps you find rest and re-energizes you, it may be draining for me. Now my ideal peaceful setting is in the mountains with a cup of coffee and my wife. Where are my mountain people at? Yeah, see, just being surrounded by nature, being surrounded by the birds and the trees and stuff, not camping. I am not about that life. I am in a cabin with a fireplace and a hot tub. That is what I'm talking about, okay? But that is peaceful for me. Now, I know that there's another group of people that for you, your peaceful setting, for some reason, is laying out in the scorching sun <laughs> on a beach with sand everywhere. <laughs> Where are my beach people at? Oh, don't believe that. There's something wrong with you guys. <laughs> Regardless of what brings you peace, I think we would all agree that finding peace is an important part in life. It's important for us to find spaces and places where we can have peace, even if it's just for a moment. And this is something that for those of us who are in the faith, we shouldn't be unfamiliar with this because the theme of peace is all throughout the Bible. We might be familiar with verses like Colossians 3.15. It says, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Or maybe we know Romans 15, 13, it says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. See, the idea of peace is probably not a new thing to you if you've been around faith for any amount of time. Maybe that's what even attracted you to this whole faith thing in the first place, the hope of finding peace in a chaotic world, the promises of the peace that Jesus can provide for people. I mean, one of Jesus' titles is even the Prince of Peace, and so there's got to be something to this, Right? But what often happens in our relationship with Jesus is we, we tend to start treating peace just like another commodity. It's just another thing that we can get from God. It's another blessing that he wants to give to us. Or, or we may even fall into the mindset that peace is something that God owes us. And it's dangerous ground for us to, to think that God owes us anything when in reality we owe him everything. See, God is a God of peace, and he offers a peace that we cannot find anywhere else, especially in this world. But like we talked about before, God also has expectations for those of us who are claiming to be in a relationship with him. There are standards that he expects us to live by, and it's the same when it comes to peace. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about how, yes, God is a God of peace, and he does provide peace for us 
but he also calls for us to make peace. See, as Christians, we are called to experience the peace of God in our lives, but also to make peace in the world around us, whether that's with other people or helping other people make peace with God. This is something that we are all called to do. And so today, what we're gonna be focusing on is this. We were created to be peacemakers for the kingdom of God. We are created to be peacemakers for the kingdom of God. If we have God's peace in our lives, then it is our job to turn around and help other people find that peace as well. This is something that if we claim a relationship with God, this is a responsibility and a job that we have taken on. And it's important for us to do that. But a lot of the times, we don't think about that part of our relationship with God. Or maybe we don't even know about that part of our relationship with God, that this is something he calls for us to do. Or we do know about it, but we kind of push it to the side because man, it's really hard to make peace or sometimes it's just awkward or we don't feel like we can really do it or you know what, I'm really better at disrupting the peace and so I'm gonna kind of just stay in my lane there. But whenever we pass up the chance to try and create peace, what actually happens is we deny the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work. And so my hope for us today is that we will understand better or maybe understand for the first time that yes, God does call for us to have peace but he also calls for us to make peace for the name of Jesus and the sake of the gospel. So I wanna pray for us real quick and then we're gonna dive in. God, we thank you today for waking us up. We thank you for giving us this day. And as we start talking about how you have this peace for us that we can find nowhere else, but you also expect us to go out and help others find peace with you. God, I pray that you would open our hearts and our ears to what you have to say to us. I pray that you would give us the understanding to see what it looks like to be a peacemaker in the name of Jesus. And so God, we give these moments to you and it's in your name that we pray, amen. Now, like we said, when we hear the word peace, we all have different images, different thoughts that pop into our minds, but it changes when the word becomes peacemaker. See, when it becomes the word peacemaker, it changes our focus because what we've done is we've now gone from images and thoughts of laying in hammocks or being on the beach or out on the lake or something like that to now we've got thoughts and images of people. Maybe people like Abraham Lincoln or Martin Luther King Jr. or one of my personal favorites, Wyatt Earp, that's right. See, what we've done when we've gone from the word peace to the word peacemaker is we've changed our focus. We've gone from an idea or a feeling to now we're thinking about a person. We've gone from passive to active where peace is something that we desire and we strive for. A peacemaker is the person who is actively pursuing ways to make peace. In Matthew chapters five through seven, we see Jesus giving what's called the Sermon on the Mount. And we know a lot of things that Jesus talks about in these chapters. This is where he teaches things like we are the salt and the light of the world. That this is when he teaches on adultery and divorce and how to treat our enemies. The golden rule of doing to others as you would have them do unto you is within this sermon. But he starts off these chapters, he starts off this message with the Beatitudes. And the Beatitudes is a list of what kind of people What kind of actions and attitudes will be blessed by God and will lead us to inherit the things of God? And in here, in Matthew chapter five, verse nine, Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. Now, real quick, we need to do some language stuff here. And so this word right here, the word sons, In our context today, when we see this word, we automatically think of male children. We think of boys, that's what we think of, the masculine with this. But in the original language, which is Greek, it's this word, 
huios. Everybody say that. Say huios. huios. You got to get that hui in there, okay? So huios. And what this word means is it can mean a male child. But on a bigger scale, it also can mean a child of either gender who is adopted into a family. On an even larger scale, this can also mean any descendant of mankind who is adopted into the family of God. And so when Jesus says that it's the peacemakers who will be called the sons of God, the huios of God, the adopted uh, boys and girls, child, children of God, whatever we look at with that, that's a good thing. That's a good thing that I hope we all desire to be adopted into God's family. And so when we see that Jesus says it's the peacemakers who will be called the sons of God who will be adopted into God's family, we need to understand what it means to be a peacemaker. So here's where we're going to start. In order for us to understand what a peacemaker is, I think it's going to help us to understand what a peacemaker is not. Because again, we all have ideas. We think of something when we hear the word peace and peacemaker. But what we need to look at is, are we defining it by what the world says a peacemaker is, or are we defining it by what God says a peacemaker is? Because scripture speaks to both of these things. And just like a lot of topics, when we look at the world's view of making peace and God's view of making peace, there are things that can line up and be similar, but there's also things where they can be completely different. And so we're going to look at what the Bible says about being a peacemaker, but we're going to start with looking at what it's not. And so to start us off, peacemaking is not the absence of conflict. And right here from the beginning, this seems wrong. Like this, this doesn't seem correct. These seem like opposites. This seems counterintuitive. How can you have peace, but you still have conflict? How do those two things go together? When the Bible, peacemaking is never to be confused with pacifism. See, nowhere does God tell us to just stand by and let bad things happen to us or to other people. And this is where some people will bring up, well, what about that whole turn the other cheek thing that Jesus talked about? And they have a little bit of a point there because Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 39, he says, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other also. And this verse is one that is used by a lot of people, especially people outside of the faith, to shout back at any Christian who stands up for themselves or who takes a stance and doesn't become a doormat for everybody to walk all over. And so it's important for us to understand what Jesus is really saying when he tells us to turn the other cheek because he's not saying just to get walked all over and let people do whatever they wanna do and you just take it because that's what a Christian does. And it's not saying that. But he's also saying don't go looking for trouble. He's not saying if someone smacks you, smack them back. And I think, man, wouldn't there just be a lot of times where it'd be so much easier if Jesus said, hey, oh, they hit you first, I'll lay them out. Like, there would just be times where it would just be easy, but it's not what it says. What Jesus says here when he says, don't, or says to turn the other cheek is he's saying don't go looking for retaliation when somebody wrongs you. Don't exchange insult for insult. You see, the wisdom in peacemaking is finding the difference of how and when to respond or not respond. The theologian Matthew Henry, he said this. He said, suffer any injury that can be borne for the sake of peace. And those who act upon right principles will have the most peace and comfort. Now, I can't help in this moment but to think of Jesus' last days here on earth. Because in his last week of life, he went through 
everything. He went through pain. He went through torture. He went through the, the beatings. And all of this was before he went through being nailed to a cross where he would eventually die. And what blows my mind, what I can't understand, is he chose to let it happen. See, he was 100% human, but he also was 100% God, which means at any point, he could have shut the whole thing down. He could have said, we're done, we're not doing this anymore. He could have stopped the pain and the beating and the torture, but he chose to go through with it and not retaliate because he knew that that would lead to godly, heavenly peace for all mankind forever. And so he chose to turn the other cheek in the greatest way that's a lot to take. And yet here we are, and we can't let an insult go in the comments section because we just gotta get the last word in. And peacemakers are active in pursuing peace. And the wisdom is deciding when we respond and how or if we respond. Sometimes peacemaking, it does mean standing up for ourselves or standing up for others. But sometimes it means taking one on the chin and not retaliating keeping the bigger picture in mind. But regardless of what happens, peacemaking always calls for us to make a decision on what we are gonna do or how if we're gonna react. But I need to be clear here for a moment on a specific situation. If you are in an unsafe situation at home or work or school, being a peacemaker does not mean that you just keep going trying not to cause any more disruption or trying to not upset somebody further. Being a person who strives for peace, it never calls for you to subject yourself to harm or abuse all for the sake of keeping the peace. Sometimes the best way that we make peace is by removing ourselves from certain situations, circumstances, or settings. Peacemaking is not the absence of conflict. It's figuring out how and if we respond in conflict. But peacemaking is also not avoiding strife. Now, strife is defined as angry or bitter disagreement over fundamental issues. So in other words, strife is conflict. Now, again, it doesn't mean that we go looking for strife. We don't go looking to start arguments with people in person or online, but we need to be ready for it because we know that it's going to happen. We all know people who like to create a stir. It could be people at work, it could be people in our family or in our neighborhood, wherever. We are all familiar with conflict. And when conflict happens, some people, they are all fired up and they are the ones that run towards it. They are ready to take it on. They are ready for the fight. But other people, they run the other way and they will do whatever they can to avoid the conflict. The Bible speaks on this topic and it tells us what we're to do. Scripture talks about how when people come to us and they've got the big, tough questions, when they've got the hard conversations, when they want to know why things are the way they are in the world today, if there is a God and a God of love, then why are all these bad things happening? How did we get to the place that we are in society today? The scriptures tell us that when these hard conversations come up, we are not to skirt the questions. We're not to avoid the conflict. We're, we're also not to just make some generic uh, response that we just kind of mumble through. The scripture tells us that when the hard conversations come up, when the opportunity is there, we give people the gospel. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, it says, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet, do it with gentleness and respect. See, conflict will happen. 
Disagreements will happen. We know that that's just a part of life. And when we are faced with strife, we are called to stick to the truth of the gospel, but to do it with gentleness and respect. So when the tough questions come up, when the hard conversations come up, we are to respond with the truth of the gospel. And that is not always easy. It's not always comfortable, but it's what we're called to do, even if it causes some tension. And that takes us to the next thing, because peacemaking is not the absence of conflict. Peacemaking is not avoiding strife. But peacemaking, it's also not trying to make everyone happy. And this can be a tough one, especially for me. Because something, something you need to, to know about me is I'm a people pleaser. Where are my people pleasers at? Yeah, see, we're the ones who get stuff done, okay? Um, but no, see, I, I'm a people pleaser. I like to make other people happy. I like to ask the question, what can I do for you? If you're an Enneagram person, I'm an Enneagram too, which means that I am a helper. My love language is to ask you what I can do to help you, okay? And this can be a good thing, but it also can be a fault. Because what can happen, what, can, what I can so easily get caught up in is I will be so focused on what can I do for somebody else that I'll forget to take care of the things I need to take care of. I'll get so caught up in what can I do for you, how can I help you, how can I make your day better that I will let things go that I need to do or things that will make my life better. And, and this is why the goal of peacemaking is never to make everyone happy. Number one, that's impossible. We just cannot make everyone happy because somebody will always feel slighted or left out or offended. If we think back to Pastor Sean's message last week when he was talking about preference versus principle. See, catering to preferences, it, it will, will appease one person or group at least for a little while, but it's gonna alienate and make someone else feel left out. It's gonna upset them. We can't make everybody happy. It's not possible. Number two, if you get so caught up and trying to make everyone happy, you will compromise your convictions and beliefs for one side or the other. How many times have you found yourself in a situation like that? Maybe it's at work and there's a disagreement between coworkers and you're trying to, to make the peace between both of them, or maybe it's, it's between mutual friends or within your family, and you find yourself in the middle. You're bouncing back and forth from one side to the other, trying to bring reconciliation and peace to the situation. You're taking the demands from one side to the other. You're trying to help each side see the other's perspective. It's exhausting. It's draining. It beats you down. And more often than not, we don't see any change happen. Peacemaking is not the absence of conflict. It's not avoiding strife. It's not trying to make everybody happy. And lastly, peacemaking is not ignoring the issues. It's not ignoring the issues, hoping that they'll just go away. See, when something disrupts the peace in our homes or our families or the office or wherever it is, just ignoring the issues never leads to reconciliation. And we know because we've tried it. When something disrupts the peace, we, we've tried to just let things go and ignore it, hoping that it will resolve itself or maybe it will just go away and it just doesn't work that way. More often than not, peacemaking calls for action in some form or fashion. If we wanna see peace, we've gotta be active in pursuing things that will help ourselves find peace and then help others find peace. See, it's not an assumption. Our world is in desperate need of peace. But it's not peace like the world normally defines it. See, the world defines peace as simply the absence of conflict or disturbance or disruption. God's peace is different 
and much greater. See, God's peace happens when a sinner is reconciled to their Savior. God's peace happens when somebody no longer identifies with the ways and the values of the world, but now identifies with the ways and the values of God. God's peace happens on the inside first and then spills out to the people around us. And when we receive God's peace, that then changes our influence and our interactions with other people. And so if we want to not only experience God's peace for ourselves, but be able to go out and spread the love and peace of God to other people, we have got to be all in with God. We've got to be all in in our relationship with God. And we've talked about this before. We're going to continue to talk about this. When we say that you need to be all in with your relationship with God, we mean that you need to be actively pursuing how to continue growing in your faith. We do not mean that you've got to be perfect. We are not saying that you've got to be perfect before you start a relationship with God because, again, that is humanly impossible. If you are waiting to be perfect before you start a relationship with God, that's like waiting until you stop bleeding to go to the emergency room. It just doesn't work that way, and it's not what God expects. He doesn't call for us to be perfect before we go all in with Jesus. But we do need to be ready to strive for the things and the desires of God over the things and the desires of the world. See, when we find the inner peace ourselves, when we allow God's peace to enter and rule in our hearts first, when we invite and we ask God to be a part of bringing peace in our lives and then in the lives of other people, this is when we see the kingdom of God move like never before. God's peace is so much more than how the world defines it. God's peace is what Jesus talks about in John 14, 27, when Jesus says, I am leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give, check this out, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. See, right here, Jesus tells us that he wants to provide peace for his people. And the peace that he gives, it is a gift, and it is a gift that you will not find anywhere else in this world. And this peace, this is for us, this is for everyone in the world who who hears about the gospel. This peace is for everyone who comes to know and trust in Jesus. But how will people come to know and trust in Jesus and experience his peace if no one goes and tells them? And this is where we come in, church. This is where we step up and we accept the job that God has put on our lives. Because if you are in a relationship with God, if you have started on that journey, your job, number one, is to experience God's peace for yourself, but then to go out and share and spread God's peace with other people. Now, here's why this is important. If we don't set the example of being a peacemaker, if we're always looking for a fight, if we are always handling conflict in the wrong ways, how is the world supposed to know what real peace looks like? The church, followers of Christ, you and I, we have the job, we have the calling to go out and be peacemakers in the world. When we have the peace of Christ in us, we are built different. We are made for this job. The world is not gonna find the peace that it's looking for anywhere else. Jesus tells us that. And since you're here right now and you have heard that Jesus is the only true provider of peace, you now have no excuse to not go out and share that with other people because you can't say that nobody ever told you or you didn't know. We are called to have peace and we are called to make peace. 
It's what God desires in us and for us. But that's hard to do all the time, isn't it? It's hard to make peace with everybody and with every person. I mean, have you met some people? It's hard to make peace with people that we are always at odds with. It's hard to make peace with people that we don't like. It's hard to not fire back at someone when they throw the first stone. It's hard for us to swallow the retort that would really make our point and stick it to them. It's hard to absorb hit after hit knowing that not retaliating is the best call in the long run. Because again, we've all experienced those times where we've, we've responded out of emotion or we, we've reacted quickly and we know that it always causes more harm. It's not easy to do the things that God calls us and asks us to do. But when we've got the spirit of God and the spirit of peace in us, he gives us what we need. This is why the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, not hate vengeance, wrath, anger, retaliation. See, God shows us in scripture what it looks like to have the spirit of God in us and how that should change our lives and the rhythms, the the impact that it should have. And so what's it mean? What's it look like to be a peacemaker? We've talked about what it's not. So what is it? How do we do this? Well, the apostle Paul tells us in Romans chapter 12, he says, never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live at peace with who? With everyone. Sometimes I wish he didn't put that in there. And Paul says that we are to strive for peace with everyone. To do all that we can do to try and create peace. But how do we do that? Well, the Bible answers that too. Because the Bible tells us what a peacemaker does. Romans 14, uh, verse 19 says, so then, let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbringing. See, when it comes to what scripture says about being a peacemaker, it says that peacemakers, we build bridges. We build bridges where they've been torn down previously. Bridges between us and another person Bridges between other people and God, whatever it takes to help us connect with others so that we can point them to God and then they can connect with God. As peacemakers, we build bridges and we do that by going after mutual upbuilding. We encourage other people. We build them up instead of tearing them down. Peacemakers build bridges so that we can connect with others and others can connect with God. But we go on from there, Ephesians 2.14 says, for he himself, this is Jesus, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. See, as peacemakers, we build bridges between us and other people and between other people and God, but we also tear down walls. If there are things that are in between preventing us and another person from experiencing peace, we tear that wall down. If there's something that is preventing another person from experiencing peace with God, we tear that wall down. This means that we get rid of our preferences. We put our inconsequential differences to the side for the sake of the gospel. Man, peacemakers, we build bridges so that we can connect with others. Others can connect with God. We tear down walls that keep us from having peace with others and keep others from having peace with God. And we go on. Matthew 18, 15 says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now I gotta tell you, we could do an entire sermon series on this verse alone of how to deal with conflict between us and other people. 
but we're gonna keep it simple for right now, okay? We'll get into this at another time because it's a big deal. You see, peacemakers, we, we build bridges between us and other people, between other people and God. We tear down walls that prevent peace between us and others, others and God, and we do all that because we want reconciliation. We want to right wrongs. We want to make sure that we go after things that build others up and create opportunities for peace, and we go after those things with the right heart and the right motive. And we do all these things. We build bridges. We tear down walls. We go after reconciliation because of what it says in Philippians 2. It says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. See, peacemakers, we, we build bridges between us and other people so that God's peace can come in. We, we build bridges between other people and God so that peace can be experienced. We tear down any walls that are preventing us from having peace with others or them having peace with God. We want reconciliation. We go after all these things because God desires for all people to have harmony and unity with each other. See, Paul tells us to try and achieve peace with everyone, to strive after this, to go after it with everything we have, but we also realize and pay attention to the fact that it may not happen. See, just because you do everything you can to try and create peace in a situation, it doesn't guarantee that that will be reciprocated by the other person or party. Because there's sometimes where the other side, they, they just don't want peace. They just don't want to reconcile. They don't want any of this stuff. What we have to realize is that we are called to do everything we can to continue our obedience to God regardless of the earthly outcome, knowing that when we do that, we have a heavenly reward that is waiting for us. Our number one job above everything else is to make sure that we are at peace with God. And that happens by being in constant connection and relationship with God first and then with his people. And it's through that relationship with God that we receive the peace that only he can provide. And when we have that peace in us, that is when we can then have confidence to go before God and just experience that relationship with him like never before. And when we realize that we've got peace from God, then it becomes our job to go out and tell others about that peace. Romans chapter five, verses one and two. says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. And because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And then Hebrews 4.16 says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Having God's peace in us being a peacemaker in the name of Jesus. This gives us freedom, gives us confidence to boldly approach the glorious God who made us. And it's through having God's peace in our lives that we then have the confidence and the boldness to go out and share that with other people who so desperately need it. 
And so if you're here today and you are already on this journey with God, if you're here and you are already in a relationship with him, if you have already claimed your adoption as a son or daughter of God, huios, say that again, huios. If you have already claimed that in your life, you now have the job of letting God's peace rule in your hearts. In Colossians 3.15, says, let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. And so if you are already on this journey with Christ, if you already have him in your life and you are continuing to seek more of his peace, the question we ask first is where do we need more peace in our lives? And when we identify that area, that, that, that you know, whatever the avenue is in our life where we need more peace, the call to action is to invite Christ into that. And once we start experiencing more and more of God's peace in our life, the next question is, where can you bring peace in the lives of others? And then we invite Christ into that as well. And if you're here today and you haven't experienced that peace in your life yet, if you haven't accepted Christ into your heart and the invitation he gives you to join his family as a son or daughter, if you want to have the peace of Christ in you and then become a peacemaker in the name of Jesus, if you want to experience the peace that comes from God and God alone, what are you waiting for? What, what are you holding on to that's so important that it's keeping you from experiencing the greatest gift that we will ever have. You don't have to have all of the answers to all of the questions. You don't have to have everything figured out yet. It doesn't even all have to make sense right now. Come to God and let him give you what it is that you so greatly need, even if you don't understand why you need it or what it is. His peace gives us strength and understanding, and I guarantee you, the peace of Christ is greater than any false sense of peace this world can give. And so today, right here in this moment, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, if you're here and you haven't started that relationship with God or you haven't accepted that peace into your life and you're continuing to try and find peace in the ways that the world provides, today I just wanna give you the invitation to jump in to the relationship God has waiting for you. We know in scripture that, that Jesus gave us the, the gift, the promise of his peace, and he tells us that's a peace we will not find anywhere else no matter how hard we try. And so today, if you're tired of trying to figure things out on your own, if you're tired of trying to find peace in all these other ways and finding out that it's just not working, it's just not playing out the way that you thought it would or hoped it would, and it just fails you time after time. Today is the day that you can start that relationship with him, that you can go all in in a relationship with God. And again, it doesn't mean that you're gonna immediately be perfect. It doesn't mean that you've gotta figure things out first before you can be all in with Jesus. It means that you finally come to the point where you're realizing, I can't do this on my own. I need help from somebody greater than me, and that person is Jesus. We believe what it says in scripture in Romans 10, 9, that when you believe in your heart, you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. We believe that in that moment, you are saved. God steps in and starts the salvation process within you and his peace starts to rule in your heart. And so today, if that's where you are, I wanna give you the simple invitation to make that belief, make that confession that Jesus is Lord. So God, right now, I wanna thank you for those who are taking that first step of jumping into a relationship with you, of going all in, in this relationship with you. 
knowing that we're not perfect, knowing that we're gonna continue to make mistakes, but knowing that when we say, hey, I believe in who you are and what you have done and are doing, that your peace comes to rule in us. So God, I pray that you give us the boldness and the confidence to trust in who you are and believe that you will do what you say you will do. God, I pray for all of us in the days ahead that we would seek to let your peace guide us more than anything else, that you would help us to find out the ways that we can be peacemakers in our world, that we would be able to to have your eyes in our conversations, in our interactions, but God, knowing that it all starts from within us first. So God, help us to go after peace in our own lives first, peace that only comes from you, and then let that spill out into our relationships and interactions around us. God, we thank you for being a God that provides us with peace that we will not find anywhere else. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to die in our place so that we could experience your peace. God, it's in your name that we pray all these things. Amen. We hope this message challenged you, encouraged you, and most of all, brought you closer to a loving God who wants nothing but the best for you. If you have any questions about taking next steps in your faith journey, simply text NEXT to 309-777-0677. Everyone has a next step, and here at Vail, we would love to walk alongside you. If this message was impactful to you, we encourage you to share it. To stay connected to everything Vail Church, feel free to subscribe. Visit our website at vail.church and follow our socials on Instagram and Facebook. Lastly, for all of those who call Vail Church home, let's remember, worship faithfully, connect intentionally, Give generously and serve sacrificially. We'll see you next week.